Disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or professional broadcaster. The following are stories from my life and personal experiences and are the property of me. There will be profanity, quite a fucking bit of it, so please keep that in mind along with adult topics and themes. Listener discretion is advised. I've always wanted to say that. Hi, and welcome to episode seven of Here She Comes Confessions of a Retired Vibrator Seller. On the last episode, you may recall I was on the verge of returning my company kit. I thought that selling vibrators was just not for me, but I got talked into doing a couples party on the assistance of my coach. Despite my lack of confidence, I packed up my trunk with lots of products and oodles of batteries, and I headed out to a small town just outside of Ottawa, hoping for the best. The majority of parties we booked were by women with a house full of their girlfriends, confidants, co-workers, other lady friends. Really, it's just a great girls' night out. But couples parties were that rare and special beast that meant you were presenting to people who were newly married, long-time married, living together, freshly hooked up, etc., etc. All in all, the dynamic is incredibly different, and I had only heard tale of how these parties went from other consultants. What happened that night surprised even me. On the drive to Prescott, I began to wonder if I should have taken Lammy up on his offer to meet me at the hostess's house. He sounded genuinely concerned at the thought of me alone in a room with a bunch of men and women selling dildos with no one to defend me should things get out of hand. It seemed foolish to ask him to make a three-hour drive just to sit like my bodyguard while I peddled sex toys. The truth is, I thought his menacing demeanor was sure to dampen sales, and I didn't trust him not to lose his temper if anyone made any kind of advances on me, so I politely declined his offer. I doubted that decision for the entire drive down to Prescott. My hostess, Sarah, a tiny blonde woman in her late 20s, wore flip-flops and a loose flowery gown that swished up and around her when she flung the front door open. Gosh, I'm so happy to see you, Jasmine, she said. Want some help with your bags? Sarah and I carted the four duffel bags I had packed with product into her kitchen. She asked me to set up my display on the large poker table in her basement that looked like it was either never used or placed up against the back wall just for my presentation. Lammy had warned me. Listen, baby, the men are going to be standing on one side of the room and the women on the other. You're going to have a hard time engaging the men in any of it. I finished setting up my display table and turned around to see all of the men at the back near the wooden bar and all of the women converging on the sofa and chairs directly in front of me, sitting like eager pupils in class. The contrast was jarring. I steadied my shaking hands and passed out the paper quiz. Some of the men smiled at me and politely took the paper without looking at it, but most of them barely stopped their conversations long enough to take the sheet. Sarah... 
All the guys are at the back of the room, I said to her as she eagerly took the paper from my hand. They're all firefighters, Jasmine. They just came because we made them. Don't worry. We are so excited. Firefighters? I barely got the word out of my throat. Did you say they're all firefighters? Yeah, bunch of macho fools. If you aren't talking about cars or trucks, they don't give two hoots, she joked. But see the big one over there? The one with the beard? The biggest one? See him? I nodded. One of the men stood head and shoulders above the others, literally. He was at least 300 pounds. His head almost touched the basement ceiling and his face was covered in so much hair I could barely see his eyes. That one is Ben. He's the groom. Uh, What do you mean by groom? Oh, this is a stag and doe. Didn't your company tell you that? We're going to give them the discount. Is that okay? Suddenly, the air felt really dry. I looked down at my watch. My hands were still shaking. There was no time to delay it any longer. Can I have your attention, please? I squeaked. The row of women in front of me smiled warmly and looked up. Uh, excuse me, hey, back there, hey guys. Get your asses over here, Sarah shouted. Despite her tiny size, she had a pair of very powerful lungs. She made a few people in the room jump in response to her shouting, but the men at the back didn't move. They did stop talking. Want to hear a joke? I asked. It was almost as though my brain had decided to shut down for the night because I couldn't remember what to do or say. The only thing I still seemed to be able to do with ease was sweat. I got a good joke, honest. Come closer, you won't hear the punchline. The men stared and some of them smiled, but none of them moved. It was too late to filter myself since my brain had taken leave and I was flying on instinct alone. I started the joke anyway. So there's this guy and he's fooling around with his girlfriend. They're having a great time and she says to him, put your finger in me. So he does. Then she says, oh, I like it. Put more fingers inside me. So he puts all four of his fingers in her and he's thinking, damn, this girl really likes it. Then she says, oh, I really love it. More, more. So the guy thinks to himself, okay. And he puts his whole hand in there. I began making wild gestures with my hands. The big bear of a groom took his place closer to what I suspected was his very tiny bride and smiled eagerly at me. I continued. After that, his hand is in there. She still cries, more, more. So now he puts his whole forearm in there. She is still moaning and groaning and loving it. So he thinks to himself, he's just going to go for it. And he puts his whole arm inside her. She's still screaming she wants more. So the next thing you know, he has his whole head inside her. And shortly afterwards, his whole body. He looks around. It's pitch black. He takes a lighter out of his pocket. And when the light comes on, he sees another guy who yells, Great. Now if we can just find my car keys, we can drive out of here. The sound of laughter filled the room like thunder. The men smiled and clapped while taking their seats around the edge of the sofas while only one remained at the bar. He grabbed a few more beers and then joined the rest of the group. Though the men weren't all necessarily sitting next to their partners, they were all very close to me and eager to hear what else I had to say. I took a deep breath. There was no turning back. Once everyone was neatly settled around me, I started to rummage through the basket of lingerie I had brought. I held up the crotchless panties to the delight of most of the men in the room and the confusion of the women. 
The women scoffed and made comments about not wanting pieces of string up their asses and waved me to move on. I felt too uncomfortable to extol the virtues of them, so I threw the sample back in the basket and moved on to the costumes. The nurse outfit was a big hit with the men, as was the schoolgirl number. The women continued to wave me forward. One lady looked menacingly at me like she was going to cut off my crotch if I showed any more lingerie. I pushed the basket under the table and tried to get through the rest of the presentation like I was rushing to a four-alarm fire. A devastatingly gorgeous blonde man with exquisite well-defined features sitting by a sofa raised his hand and asked, Can you use that on the taint? I was momentarily distracted by his incredible good looks. He must be Mr. November, I thought, because he'd keep your fire blazing all winter long. Um, I'm sorry, did you say paint? I asked. No, taint, he shouted to the delight of the men around him. I still heard paint for some reason. The blank look on my face just made the men howl louder. I could see the danger zone approaching where I was about to lose what little control I had left. He addressed my confusion by saying, It's called the taint, cause it taint the pussy and it taint the asshole. Two men clinked their beer bottles together. Once the laughing had stopped, an awkward silence filled the basement. They probably expected me to run screaming from the room in horror or embarrassment. Aren't you clever? I said to him as though he was a little boy in school who had just put on his shoes by himself. What I believe you're referring to is the perineum. Thank you for broaching this subject for me. Since you know so much about it, you must know what analingus is too. Everyone knows what that is, right? It was so quiet, traffic could be heard passing by on the street above. Well, everyone here knows what cunnilingus is, right? I looked directly at Mr. November when I said, For those of you that don't know what you're doing in this area, or are too embarrassed to admit it here, you can talk to me in the sales room upstairs. A few of the women in the front row snickered. Picture it, ladies. Your firefighter is giving you some oral loving, and accidentally, his tongue slips a bit farther south and you think, oh my, but you go back to thinking about Johnny Depp, and all is right with the world. I heard one of the men cough up his beer. Then he's back at it again, and the next thing you know, blam! He's down there again in the south region, and you're thinking, damn, that feels so good. Well, that, ladies, is analingus, and when it's done right, it will shiver you up. I picked up a tub of lotion and presented it to the crowd. Now, imagine you're all showered up and you slap some of this lotion there. It would give him a nice minty rosebud to lick until the only fire he can't put out is the one in your heart. Give me two tubs, Jasmine, a curly-haired woman shouted. I smiled. I saw two men take notes at the back, one of which was Mr. Taint. With the most outspoken man in the room subdued and quietly taking notes, the only other person I continued to have problems with was the groom, who tried to make his own jokes in between mine. His bride rolled her eyes and whacked him hard on his large belly to get him to stop, but it only made things worse. I was virtually through the first half of my presentation when I showed the edible body foam. I sprayed a makeshift bikini on a Barbie doll, and before I could fully demonstrate how it didn't melt and stayed in place... Ben the groom jumped out of his chair, grabbed a tortilla chip, and scooped some of it off the Barbie doll. Every person in the basement, with the exception of me, laughed out loud. Let's take a break, I sighed. 
I think you guys obviously need a snack. You're doing a great job, Sarah said to me at the break, stroking my arm. You're already the best consultant we've ever had here. Yeah, said the two tubs lady. This is my eighth party. You're the best one by far. You're being kind, I said as I crossed and uncrossed my arms, deliberating how I could make a getaway before I presented the toys. I'm going down in flames, if you'll pardon the pun. Jasmine, you're so funny, Sarah said, and then walked away to top off people's drinks. I passed my fingers over the black satin bags with the toys in them. I dreaded discussing the vibrators with the men in the room. I wasn't sure how I was going to get through the rest of the night. I pulled the most expensive toy out of its bag to make sure it was working properly. I'd made the decision to buy the toy for myself and had used it for the first time only a few days before. You're buying the $100 toy? Lammy asked. Yes, I get it half price. I'm going to play with it right now and go to sleep. You should see how pretty it looks in the dark. It lights up. Okay, baby, I'm going to go to sleep now, too. He sounded so nonplussed. I was talking about a vibrator, but from his reaction, you would think I was talking about towels for the bathroom. Good night, Lammy. I hung up the phone. It was 11.33 p.m. I felt so tired, I feared I might fall asleep with the toy still inside me and my mother would catch me in the morning, but I was committed to trying it. I flicked it on and watched the brilliant array of colors light up the paneling on the walls of my room in the basement. I made myself comfortable and set the toy on low. The massive size of the orgasm that followed knocked whatever brain cells I had left to the back of my skull. The phone rang again. It was 11.36 p.m. I looked at the call display. The number was from Toronto. I forgot to say I love you. Lammy's deep voice purred into my ear. I swallowed into my dry mouth, shook the fuzz from my brain, and genuinely asked, Who is this? The five-minute break had turned into 20 minutes later. When everyone returned, I noticed that the majority of them had a beer in their hands and very few of them still had the paper menus I had distributed earlier. Everyone ready to see the toys? I asked with the enthusiasm of a clown at a kid's party. There were blank stares all around. I spoke with the rapidness of a junkie on speed, whizzing through the entire selection of toys and cutting off Ben's jokes before they could start. When I got to the light-up toy at the end, I introduced it as the Cadillac of all toys. I asked Sarah to dim the lights for more dramatic effect and then put on a show worthy of any sword fight in Star Wars. I thanked them for being my first couple's party and to my surprise, they clapped and cheered. I carried my heavy display bag on my back and climbed the stairs without the help of anyone in the room. I had set up my sales area upstairs behind the closing saloon doors that framed the entrance to the country-style kitchen. The first sale was from the hostess and her husband, Stuart. You were just great, Sarah said enthusiastically. The best one we've ever had here. That's nice of you to say. It's true. There's a consultant out here. Her name is Maureen. She's okay, but she's nothing like you. Is that good? Her massive smile told me it was. It's fantastic, Stuart said. He was easily the smallest of all the firefighters and the quietest. I wouldn't have noticed him that night at all if he hadn't been running to Sarah every other minute with a question and a constant sense of urgency. 
We're definitely going to get the catalog. What do you think, baby? You want that? Can I? Sarah breathed into her husband's ear. I'd love it. I'm going to chase you around the room in the dark, just like Jazzy said. It wasn't the affectation of my name that endeared me to Stuart. It was the earnestness he showed at wanting to please his wife. Two more couples came up to visit me, whispering their orders, and then, like each couple that followed, the husband would run out to the truck, put their pink bag of products in the trunk, and then come back and join the party. It was consistent with all of them. The last couple to make a purchase was the tiny bride Emily and her burly groom, Ben. I had dreaded them coming upstairs all night. The chair creaked under the groom's weight. The speech I had been mentally preparing for him all night escaped me when he took my hand in his oversized paw and said very gently, Jasmine, you are an absolute peach, and your presentation was the best one I have ever seen. You were fantastic. I was speechless. Emily nodded and smiled, extending her hands until I couldn't see mine under the blanket of theirs. You were awesome, she said excitedly. Ben looked down at Emily's order form and pointed to a few of the things he thought they should buy. Wait just a minute, I said as they got ready to make their order. I'm a bit confused. You drove me crazy downstairs, I said to Ben. You interrupted me constantly, you made stupid-ass jokes, and you ate foam off my Barbie doll. It was gross, he said, wincing. But that doesn't change the fact that you razzed me all night. What gives? Now you come up here and you're all soft like a teddy bear? That's my nickname for him, Emily said, raising her head off Ben's chest for a moment. She was tucked as closely to his side as the sleeve of his shirt. What do you want me to do, Jazz? he asked. I had to make those jokes. I'm a firefighter. They'd hang fruit on my locker if they knew how soft I was. I looked at him and contemplated what he was saying. You know what I've noticed, Ben? When a man sprinkles rose petals on the bed, surprises his woman with hours of beautiful lovemaking, and takes her to orgasmic heights, he won't tell any of his buddies what he did that night. But his partner? She will tell every woman she knows in detail. How does that make any sense? How does that help anyone out? If you told your guy friends and made it okay for them to go out on a romantic limb, they might do the same for their partners. Guys can't do that, Ben said matter-of-factly. I'm a firefighter, Jazz. If I did that, and I have, he smiled slyly. Then I came to work and told the guys what I did. They would hang fruit all over my locker and make me wear a dress. Do I really look like the rose petal type? I'm sorry if I was a dumbass, he said kindly. You handled it really, really well, though. You've got a great future. When they finished their order, Ben hugged me so tightly that he lifted me up off the ground. I tallied their sale before I finally closed up my bags and sat in awe of the number for more than a few minutes. Loading up my bags into the car was significantly easier than when I arrived. When I announced that I was going to leave, Mr. November, Mr. October, and Mr. January all rushed to help me, their smiles as huge as their muscles, the gratitude clearly etched on their faces. I phoned Lammy when I got home, but he was half asleep and struggling to wake up, his voice hushed. Lammy, I had my first thousand dollar party, I said, whispering like I was in the room with him. That's great, baby. I knew you would do good at this job. You were right, too. All the men were off in one corner and the women were in another. What did you do? I told that car in the vagina joke. You did? You probably shouldn't have done that. What if the company finds out? You could get fired. 
I felt my buzz dampen. It wasn't the reaction I had hoped for. I thought he would be prouder of me. It was my first big party, and yet something felt like it was missing. I said goodnight and then dialed Tanya, the fellow consultant that I had trained with in sex school. Did I wake you, T? No way, Jazz. I'm up. I can't sleep. Fucking insomnia. It's kept me up all week. Tell me, how was a party in Prescott? I had my first thousand dollar party, Tanya. I can't believe it. Oh my fucking God. Fuck. Wow. Holy fuck. That's fucking too much. I laughed. I'm so fucking proud of you. I can't fucking believe it. I mean, I can believe it, but still, holy fuck. It was a reaction I had been looking for, even if it was full of more expletives than I imagined. I felt my joy rush back. You're the best fucking thing that has ever happened to this company. They're all going to say it. Holy fuck. Good for you, Jazzy. I hung up the phone with Tanya and smiled a sweet smile as I drifted off into sleep. That night, I dreamt of firefighters with multicolored hoses between their legs, chasing a big bear throwing rose petals in the wind. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying my podcast, please be sure to subscribe and review. For those of you who have done so, thank you very, very, very much. You can also reach out to me via social media. I'm on Instagram, Jasmine underscore Aziz, on Twitter, at Jasmine Aziz, and I'm on Facebook. Or feel free to email me, jasmine at jasmineaziz.com. Until next time, remember that the best part of life is love. So be sure to open your heart to it. Because here she comes. I'm just a popcorn dreaming, gonna red and back a cut of you up. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you, shiver you up.